You may be seated. <clears throat> so in case you didn't notice all the red in the sanctuary, aside from the usual deep red of the chairs, it's Pentecost Sunday. And so I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the meaning of Pentecost because I think it's one of those important events in the history and tradition of the church that we need to pay attention to, especially in this day and age. And so I want to begin with Paul's discussion of the Pentecost in Romans 8, verses 22 through 27. Paul writes, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So what a timely scripture we read this morning, Pentecost Sunday, as we watch the world news where the evil demonic powers and principalities of the dark Age launch rockets from Israel, from Gaza into Israel. Not aimed at military targets, not really even aimed very well at all, killing civilians and men and women and children if they just so happen to be in the path of the rocket's destruction. Paul reminds us in Romans, all around us we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs of a fallen and broken world. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. Indeed, all of creation is yearning for full deliverance. Full deliverance. You might be thinking, full deliverance from what, Pastor? Well, for starters, deliverance from these demonic forces that kill, steal, and destroy. Deliverance from the violence, from the politics, from the labeling, the side-taking, the hatred, the backsliding, the sin and the selfishness, the deceiving, self-serving agendas, the manipulation of Scripture to fit our own perversions and lustful desires. 
We are sorely, gravely, desperately in need of full deliverance. Would you agree? See, the, the Spirit of God is arousing us to a revelation these days, more and more, that humans are wicked at heart and most assuredly in need of a Savior. Now, that's not a feel-good message. It's not a message you want to hear every Sunday, but in these day and age, we absolutely have to focus as the church on the reason that we all need a Savior. See, at Pentecost, the Spirit of God descended upon the disciples, not like a dove as he did during Jesus' baptism, but as a flame, a, a single flame that quickly became two, and then three, and then many tongues of fire blazing upon and within those that were in the upper room that day. In inspiring a bold initiative in Jerusalem with Peter standing up, Peter, foot in the mouth, Peter, getting up and, and preaching a God-inspired sermon that burned Holy Spirit fire into 3,000 souls who accepted Jesus as Lord that day. 3,000. That same Holy Spirit fire is the very thing that our world yearns for today in the wake of such senseless violence. Violence brought on by the prevailing culture of godlessness. The demons of apathy and immorality and hopelessness and fear that rob our communities, indeed the whole world, of vitality and morality and hope and love. And we are as a people Waiting. What are we waiting for? We hate to wait. How we hate to wait, don't we? As if waiting were a bad thing. We just don't like to wait. We like it to happen now. We want it to happen when we think it should happen. If, if Jesus were to return right this moment, and it could happen, if Jesus were to come right now in all his majesty and glory, it would be good news for some, but for many, many, many people in the world, including right out these doors, down the street, in our subdivisions, it would be a bad day faced with the truth of the holy justice of a pure, holy, just, righteous God who brings righteous judgment on a wicked and profane world. For some, Jesus returning is good news, and let's face it, when that happens, for some people, it will be their worst day. And in that context, then maybe, just maybe, waiting is a good thing. For God to make us wait for the second coming of Jesus Christ, that in itself is an act of grace and mercy to spare and save as many people as possible because his desire is that none should perish. Waiting, as much as we might dislike it, is a good thing. And that's why Paul says waiting does not diminish us. 
any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. I, I wish my daughter in love could have waited to deliver my grandson. He's not due for another four and a half months, but he's here already. And so waiting would have been a good thing. We're delighted that Noah is here. We just wish he could have waited. See, Paul says we are enlarged in the waiting. What does that mean? He says, we, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. See, the thing about the arrival of the Holy Spirit upon the scene of our lives is that, that we don't have to wait alone and in the dark. That's why waiting can be a good thing. It gives us the opportunity to prepare for what's coming and to prepare others for what's coming. Paul says, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. Because our pregnant condition keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Even if we can't see it yet. Our love for God is worked into something good. It's in almost surreal opposition to the horror of the events of the world, there are these miraculous, wonderful events like baptisms and weddings and testimonies of salvation that bring light into the dark world. I can't help but think that that love, godly love, is a powerful force for change, a, a force for redemption, a force for recreation. Divine love brought into the consciousness and experience of humankind by the revelation and power of the Holy Spirit. That love has the power to change the darkness in the world into light. Change the, the dimness of our limited understanding into a lampstand of enlightenment. To change the hate into compassion. To change the division into unity in righteous agreement at what is the word and will of God. See, unity for unity's sake doesn't do anyone any good. We have to be unified in the right thing. And so this Pentecost Sunday in celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit into the hearts of believers, the, the commemoration of the birth of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We pray for a resurgence of traditional Christianity. 
and the overwhelming outpouring of Jesus' divine love on this community and indeed all over the world. See, it's, it's this love that's revealed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit that can deliver us from that evil that seeks to rob us of our very humanity. And so this Pentecost Sunday, as we're all gathered here dressed in red to commemorate the Holy Spirit fire that settled on the disciples. Remember that as a believer in Jesus Christ. That same Holy Spirit fire not only settles on you when you call on the name of Jesus, but also when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior dwells within you as counselor, as the helper, as your advocate, as the one who helps you interpret the Word of God when you read it. It's a powerful force, the Godhead dwelling in you that enables you to go out beyond these doors into these communities and use your testimony of your experience with the risen Lord as Holy Spirit fire transmitted to whoever will listen. And for that, we can say most fervently this morning, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So now we're going to sing, uh, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. Mm-hmm.